0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: He turns. He
0: fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Bibby has the open shot. Yeah! Ladies and
2: gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting
1: five for your...
3: welcome to the king's beat podcast i am james hammy king's insider for espn 1320 and the king's beat joining me the king's pulse podcast <laughs> brendan nunez
2: uh brendan what's going on i'm doing great especially after that um i'm feeling on top of the world and i can't wait to hear the mild-mannered intro that sean gets yeah fox 40s sean cunningham is also
1: joining us sean <laughs> okay. how are you i'm tremendous i'm so glad you didn't hurt your throat because that does sound like it hurts i'm tremendous i'm back home uh after 49ers camp a few days there and uh yeah i've got great (laughs) wi-fi hopefully fingers crossed i sound a lot better than sitting in the car outside of levi's stadium so uh yeah let's let's make this happen
3: Yeah. You know, we had one comment that um, like doing live hits or people in weird places is going to be bad for the show. Like it's reality. Either you want the Kings Beat podcast to go on or you got to we have to skip shows because people have things to do. Like Sean had to go cover the 49ers training camp. Um, So I understand the beef at the same time. Like, if you haven't listened to radio in your life, like, half the time they do hits with people, they're in their car, and you can hear road, road noise in the background. Um, you know, we have, we're in an era where, you know, news shows have people on and their kids show up in the middle of it. Um, you know, we're, we're in a different era. Um, I, I don't think it's going to hurt us to have a show here or there where either we're all live together or heaven forbid, one of us is on location somewhere and we've got to record from there. So sorry if it bugs you, but, uh, you know, sorry, that, sorry not sorry. Uh, that's the reality um, of, of doing uh, podcasting and everything else. Um, let's get to the business stuff. Brendan seems like he wants to say something, but we'll get to the business stuff. Yeah,
1: do it, man. Go, cool, yeah. Brendan. Go, What do you got? I'm good. What no, do you mean? I thought he was going to unleash.
3: No, I, I was ready for
2: it. I, I was going to talk about my River Cats experience a little bit, but let's do the business stuff.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're watching right now on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Um, we're, we broke 2,000 subscribers. Now we're hunting 3,000 subscribers, and uh, that's just kind of the nature of the business. Um, also, the King's Beat. Uh, make sure you're joining the King's Beat. We will have another Off the Record with the King's Beat happy hour coming up I think relatively soon, probably next week, maybe the week after, but probably next week. And I'm gonna try to have a a really really cool guest um, that I've been working on for a while. Um, if you missed last month's um, Deuce Mason was it was incredible. I thought it was a great conversation, a uh, really good look behind the scenes on um, you know his his path to uh, to where he is right now in the media world, which is which is pretty amazing for a kid who you know fought through a lot of adversity young. Um so uh outside of that uh let's get to this. Uh Brennan, what do you got? You went to River Cats game. Did you we Sean and I discussed this a little bit. Um there's some some issues with the River Cats stadium that I've always disliked and uh and I guess we'll start with that. Did you see a fan get hit with a with a foul ball cuz that's typically what happens at the River Cats game.
2: I did go two days in a row, actually. One was a 6.30 start time. The other was like 12, 12.05, something like that. Uh, second day, people were pretty close, uh, very, very close. And, yeah, I can only imagine witnessing the lady that was two seats away from getting her head just, yeah. It, that ball landing on her would not have been a good look. So there were people that were very close, and I think I heard you on the episode say that, uh, the ricochet is what you really have to watch for, and I definitely uh, witnessed that and experienced that a little bit, so I did see that a bit. Um, I thought that the field was really nice, specifically just like the view in the background. I was a little surprised at like just how gorgeous I thought it was, like seeing the Tower Bridge and some of the other buildings that you can see from the field uh, I thought was really cool, and I'm not a big baseball guy, but uh, friend franklin corticelli tries to get me to be a baseball guy all the time but i don't know that that's quite gonna happen um i don't know that i love the baseball i watched but i liked the atmosphere and it's a good time being there i'm trying to check all the boxes of and slowly become a sacramentan sacramentian what is the word here sacramentan sacramentan yeah Yeah, i might have to check off uh
1: that was your first time there
2: first time there and i was wow. thinking uh maybe first sac republic game is this weekend but we'll see I'm trying yeah, to check yeah. off some of these things
1: got a nice lid there too how about that yeah yeah
2: this orlando magic knockoff hat i mean <laughs> oh come on <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Uh, yeah i, I have to...
1: i wore my shirt here i don't know the giant when the giants became oh god affiliates the date was march 30th 2016.
3: Yeah, that's the day I, I uh, burned anything related to the River Cats <laughs> and just threw it in a big pile and oh. did the, the LeBron James Leaving uh, Cleveland Act and, and burned it to the ground. I also uh, I celebrated, um, because I, I've talked about this on D-Lo and Casey, that um, hopefully this thing keeps going. We've been having Wi-Fi issues today, so people know, but um, I think that one was just that everyone muted at the same time. Um, yeah, I talked about this on D-Lo and Casey that uh, if the Oakland A's do relocate uh, to to Las Vegas, that I, I, I only have two choices. Either I become a non-baseball fan, which would be really hard because it was always no, my first love, or I switch teams. And so um, me and my son had already chosen which team we will switch to, uh, which we had chosen maybe like six months ago because – uh, one of my son's best friends goes to San Diego State. So we decided we would be Padres fans. So when he goes down to visit him, we can be Padres fan. And then the Padres just absolutely crushed the trade deadline. And, uh, and yeah, the man. Giants absolutely were crushed by the trade deadline. And so, anyway, yeah, that was enjoyable for me. Just so you know, Sean, it was enjoyable. <laughs> so Padres fans, here we come. It's, you know, a little Bo Mel, uh, Bob Melvin, happy to – follow Bob Melvin to the Padres and uh if if we do in fact leave uh the only time we will leave our fanship of the Oakland
1: A's is if they're no longer the Oakland A's and um, you made that proclamation before they got Josh Hader and Juan Soto in this in this huge mm-hmm. yeah trade long before long deal yeah you did it yeah. man I remember I mean I can attest to it you did it on this podcast and it yeah it, I, as long as I said you yeah, I'm glad you're not a Dod- I'm not going to the Dodger fan I mean that would just absolutely crush me I would I would probably put hands on you if you would become a Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> Sean would throw
3: down if I became a Dodger. And, so- it's, you
1: know what? and it's not like I could beat anyone up. It would be literally blind rage. Like <laughs> it it would be. I'd be slapped a bunch, I think. I'd be like one of these
3: things. Yeah, it's going to be really <laughs> awful. Uh, it would not be the Jason Jones losing his mind in the, uh, in the media room uh, act. Yeah, it, I think it would be different. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. Sean and I, uh, like, we had to hold Jason Jones back one night. Uh, it was, it was a, and that dude's strong. He's strong as an ox. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's get to, before we get into Kings chatter, um, I just, uh, you know, these things always work in threes. And I know the last pod we talked about uh, the great Bill Russell and uh, I think it's Nichelle Nichols. Uh, who is Lieutenant Ohura on Star Trek, all passing away on Sunday. Um, and then the baseball world, really, and actually the sports world in general, uh, just had a tremendous blow when uh, Ven Scully passed away the other night. Um, you know, uh, being raised here in this area, you know, uh, some of the mo- most defining moments in my sports fandom were Ven Scully. Uh, you know, the... I'm a, little, I'm a little too young to remember the home run call um, to see it live, the uh, Hank Aaron home run call from Ben Scully, but certainly The Catch, uh, which you guys see behind me. I, I have the, the Letters to 87 book from my friend Matt my, uh, Mayako, uh, but also uh, the Kurt Gibson home run call. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even want to pull a lawnmower cord because of Kurt Gibson, and his his act rounding second base uh certainly hearing Ben Scully call that uh that epic you know home run off of Dennis Eckersley um but just a sad day for sports in general cuz that was a great dude and a great voice and a great ambassador for the game
1: of baseball yeah can't can't disagree at all i mean what a legend i've always separated you know my hatred of the dodgers from ben scully and uh, and and you know you talked to you mentioned some of those great moments there too james and to think that you know it went from different sports and uh even even from him calling you know barry bond's home run as well i mean the the record-breaking home run for him pretty pretty incredible stuff that's for sure and then just the outpouring of not only support but just admiration of the guy and uh people who adored him i i was You know, not to personalize anything, but I was, I didn't really, I didn't know him at all. I'd been uh, around him a couple times. um, Never even really had much of a conversation because every time I was around him, people would just swarm the guy. We're not talking fans, man. We're talking like media. Like like other media would just absolutely swarm the guy. I remember, you know, especially since LA, you can remember like Vince Scully and Chick Hearn. And I remember NBA, I'd have moments with Chick Hearn uh, where we could talk and he didn't kind of, you know, Chick was a legend. But in comparison to Vin Scully, I, I I've never seen um uh, another media another radio television analyst broadcaster whatever swarmed the way people did around Vin Scully and and you think about baseball man like those are long days so you get there so early before the game you're there until maybe an hour well they they get out of there pretty quickly afterwards but. Um, those are just long days and, and and you would think that there'd be a lot of moments to access the guy or pull him aside have a chat whatever a downtime if you will and at least when he was on the road I never saw him at Dodger Stadium I never went down there uh during his his run and uh but anytime he came up to San Francisco or Oakland like the guy was just absolutely hounded you would have thought the 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 president was in town
2: yeah yeah, I'm, uh, as the baby of the show, not the most familiar with Vin Scully, but obviously know the person, and I, it's just amazing to me to see the impact that he can have, that someone can have on just people in general, that it's not just players that have this crazy impact on, on people around the world, that it's broadcasters and, and so many different other people, and, and clearly Vin Scully was one of those guys, so it's just Amazing to me to see the sort of impact that someone in that role is able to have.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I think we're surrounded with legends here in Sacramento that are Sacramento legends, you know, the Jerry Reynolds and Gary Gerald's of the world who have, you know, put their stamp on the local scene. And he was, uh, Vince Gulley was lucky enough to not just be the Dodgers guy, but he was also, you know, a national broadcaster as well. Um, And, you know, I think it's something that uh, people will appreciate with Mark Jones at a certain point, that Mark Jones is, you know, the one of the play-by-play voices of the Sacramento Kings. I know a lot of people wish he was here, all the time. Um, that's just not the way it works, um, unless the Kings want to come up with national TV money to have a to have Mark Jones here full time. Um, but uh, you know, Mark Jones is another one of those guys who is he's been there. He's called just about everything, and you know, it it's uh, we get to see these living legends, even if you don't appreciate them as that when they, when they're, you know, at even Mark Jones age, you know, he's still got a lot left in him where Vince Scully just kept going and going. And just like, you know, Gary Gerald has been the voice of the Kings for what are we going on? This will be the 38th season um, of Kings basketball. And that's just, it's incredible. And they become part of your experience with a team. Um, you know, I've talked about it many times of, like cleaning the grill at uh, big A's mm-hmm. drive-in as a teenager with the radio blaring and Gary Gerald describing the game, you know, the, uh, the action moving from left to right on your dial uh, you know, just like his, the way that they paint a picture is just beautiful. And I, I think it's a lost art um, that, you know, a, a different generation, a different way of viewing and consuming your sports content. Um, but it, it's beautiful in the way that they do it. And, and uh, you know, really, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to his family. You know, uh, he lived. Oh,
1: go ahead. No, especially for baseball because baseball is such a. It's the slow burn. And we, Brendan and I were talking right before while well, you were fixing your computer issues, and it. You know, he's a. What do you call yourselves, Brendan? Millennials? Not millennials. What's a, like the Gen Z would be Gen next. Z. I think well, I'm you know, right like, on the edge. He was. He was very. You know, appreciative of the pitch clock that they that they that they have in, especially in minor league baseball, and they kind of keep guys to to stick to it to keep the flow of the game moving and uh they didn't have that like you're talking about a guy who called games in the 50s like playoff games a like game seven in the 50s and you know to the the downtime in between in between pitches and at bats and and he's got to paint the picture and and tell him everything he's seeing and he worked alone for, for the majority of his career he, he didn't have another you know a color analyst with him he'd always work alone so yeah just just uh Major props, and actually, you, may, James, you brought up something with Mark Jones. I realized we talked a lot about summer league, but I kind of want to give him a little uh, love here for a second because I don't. I, this, this struck me. You mentioned, I mean, obviously, hey, if the Kings give him national money, he'd he'd probably stick around and not do so much of the national stuff. It's it, it's it's why having someone like Mark Jones as part of your broadcast is so special and so cool. Like you can think of like the Knicks, and they've got Mike Breen, right, and he's got to share his duties with with all these different things. But seeing him as Summer League and knowing what they bring the broadcasters through, both NBA TV and ESPN, you're talking about a whole day's worth of games. And I think Mark was on, like, three or four different games at, at any given day. And the Kings ended up playing on one of his days off. And uh, he, he's he's put through the gamut. He's got meetings. He's got all these things that are going – and the one day he had off he still made a point to get to the gym and, and watch the kings and 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 not necessarily utilize his media pass like he's he's like in the crowd with like fans and kind of a little bit anonymous there and and i just kind of saw him and sat down with him for a few minutes and uh, after one of the games and it was just here he is just a basketball junkie just still taking in wanted to support the kings team and then i think he watched the game afterwards as well and just just really incredible work ethic that that guy has and uh, cuz they like i say I know you're just calling basketball games, but that it's a brutal, it's a pretty brutal schedule, and they're trying different people out. Like I know uh, a young reporter like Jason Dumas, who works for Cron in the Bay Area. He was a sideline reporter for NBA TV, uh, trying to get. That's how a lot of. It's almost like, a, like I say, a summer league for everyone. Everyone kind of gets their opportunity, and it's a it's an opportunity to look at different talent. And uh, seeing Jason down there as being part of the broadcast is just an example of someone who isn't necessarily part of that realm of broadcasters yet. What could be that next new wave. And Mark is there to, to kind of usher in that that those, some of that new people as well. I, it, I think the thing
2: that's always impressed me the most with Mark and that I always really enjoy is the storytelling. Like he always has this random detail or story about a player and just appreciating like all the behind the scenes networking and asking questions and getting those stories uh, for him to share them. Like because he has one every – Every single broadcast, he has multiple crazy stories. Um, and it, it, it's just like going above and beyond even outside of the broadcast and his preparation. Like, Mark is phenomenal to have in Sacramento.
3: Yeah, I, I think it, it brings me back to the Ven Scully story. I don't know if you guys saw. You know, everyone's been putting up clips, right? And they said that Ven Scully had a way of telling a story that lasted exactly as long as it needed to last. So whether it's a, a batter or it's an inning, he always had his story wrapping up right at the right time. And I don't know how you do that in baseball because, you know, someone can ground into a double play. Um, But just there's a feel to him. But I was watching this clip with uh, Johnny Gomes, right, and former Oakland A, former Boston Celtic. Um, And he's telling one of those Mark Jones stories that Ven Scully is. And and Ven Scully is basically telling this story about how um at at age like 12 like someone brought a wolf like a real wolf to uh johnny gomes's grandma's house or grandpa's house something like this and the guy told him hey he said hey i'm gonna go pet your dog and he's like it's not a dog it's a wolf stay away from it do not go near it well he didn't listen and next thing you know the wolf like busted loose And like tracked him down and had him on the ground was about to take like a big bite out of him Johnny Gomes just like gave in like I've lost and I'm gonna die and the wolf like oh that's weird and backed off because he like he just gave up and uh, he's telling this story in the middle of the broadcast about Johnny Gomes being attacked by a wolf, calls him the wolf man as he grounds out to, uh, no, he shoots a ball past the third baseman into left field for a single. And he just, it's was the timing of it, everything was amazing. It's almost like he watched it back and timed his story specifically to end with Johnny Gomes hitting a single into left field. Um, But it was just, it was magical the way he does that. And I bring it up because Mark Jones, every single broadcast – He's got some weird story that like it's like, oh, that's weird. Like, I didn't where did that one even come from? And it's because he does spend some time. He spends some time talking to players. And it's not about X's and O's. It's it's almost like they have this this question, line of question. Hey, what's the weirdest thing that ever happened to you? And then you ever you had know.
2: any run-ins with any wolves, possibly,
3: Davion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how. They get these stories uh, because, you know, when you're in the grind of it, you you sort of miss that these things have happened. Sometimes you go back and you research players and you're like, oh, that's a weird story. I'm going to bring that up, um, which we've, uh, you know, I've done plenty of times in writing and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it Mark always has a, a tendency to, to hit, like, hit the right chord, right? He, there's just some something random, especially.
2: Especially. Especially whenever especially. there's silence, Mark fills it, and that's what we're here for. Him. Oh,
3: yeah. I'm back. I don't know how long ago I busted out, but yeah. <laughs> you said, especially when. Uh, oh. I don't know. I, it, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I just like it. Oh, when you're you're watching a blowout in the third quarter, and there then you you're like, okay, we gotta we gotta stick around and see if Mark Jones has any other crazy story to go with this because that's kind of what he brings to the table. Good thing Um, the
2: Kings never have blowouts in the third quarter.
3: Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. So uh, we're going to cover a couple of things. And, um, you know, I was uh, was on the the interwebs this morning and someone posted this picture of how incredible the Western Conference is going to be and all of these big threes from around the Western Conference. And they, they showed eight different teams, and of the eight teams, the Sacramento Kings were not one of the eight. And and we kind of looked closer, and you know Dallas isn't one of the eight, Portland isn't one of the eight, Utah isn't one of the eight. Um, and then you start to think, where exactly are the Kings when it comes to this Western Conference? And I, I think maybe a more intriguing question, because if we look at this graphic and we see some of the the big threes that they're considering on each team, um, who who would be your King's big three? I mean, I know we know one and two pretty easy, but, you know, I guess we'll start there. Well, Sean, what do you got?
1: I mean, is it safe to say, and, and look, me being just the negative guy, do they have a big three? Like, is it okay if you don't have a big three? If you have to just put somebody there, because I think it's going to change. I honestly think this year, It'll it'll probably change. I think you can make the argument for someone like Kevin Herter, who's the new kid on the block. But to me, I think right now as the team stands, I think you have to go Fox Sabonis and Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I truly feel that's just the appropriate way to do it. But I feel like it will be Fox Sabonis Herter or possibly Fox Sabonis and Keegan Murray. Yeah. You know, but I think it's okay if you don't have one yet. I really do. Like I, I, I was looking, you know, the graphic that you, that you brought up, I will say, uh, there was only one part that really kind of made me snicker, if you will. And in looking at the Denver nuggets, like we're just throwing Michael Porter jr. On there as if he's a big three, I know you're paying him like a big three, but it's okay. You've got the MVP. You don't have to, I mean, maybe just for <laughs> the sake of the graphic, you could have just made maybe a healthy Jamal Murray and, and, Nikola Jokic just bigger <laughs> than well, having to throw a third person in there? Maybe but we third person is s- Michael Malone.
3: <laughs> we haven't seen a healthy Jamal Murray. So, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. we, could, we could do that. We could pick apart because I look at the Golden State Warriors and Jordan Poole, Wiggins, and Curry, and I start scratching right. my head. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's strange. Um, and then I look at Booker and Paul and Aiton, and I think to myself, is Aiton really that much better than anything else that you would put as a Kings third? Um, I look at the Clippers. They have, uh, of course, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and John Wall. John Wall hasn't played in like a year and a half, and, you know, who knows? Um, you got the Lakers, and you got, of course, LeBron and AD and Russ, Russell Westbrook. Uh, I can find flaws in that group. And then even uh, Memphis, you know, Desmond Bain with uh, with Jaw and, and the Triple J. Um, that one is like, okay you know, you're going to give New Orleans Zion like, all right, well, the dude hasn't played in well over a year. So I'm not sure that, you know, I think you're right that like finding a big three for Sacramento is probably difficult at this moment. And it probably would be Harrison Barnes, which I think Harrison Barnes is as good as some of the other players on that list. Um, but, uh, I think it will change as well. Brendan, where are you at with, with what we're seeing?
2: I think it's HB right now as well, but I think that if I were forced to like label a big three for the Sacramento Kings, I think I'm putting Keegan um, because I, I think that just thinking a little bit more long-term, like who I see as the core three of this team, um, and, it, and it goes beyond that, but just for the sake of this conversation, like I, I think of... Fox Sabonis and and Keegan Murray is the three most important players on Sacramento's roster. Maybe not when it comes to production next year. I think it's actually a really interesting conversation of like who is going to be the third guy. I, I think Sean did a good job walking through the different possibilities. Like I think more likely than not it's HB. But there's a chance that it's Kevin Herder. There's a chance that Keegan Murray looks really good in in year one on the offensive end as a as a third or fourth option. Like so I, I think that that's something that's been interesting to me recently. Like I wonder, and and maybe we'll get to this a little bit later um, who is going to be how it's going to work after Fox and Sabonis. Like, is it just going to be someone's night every once in a while? And you're going to have a couple different guys that average 12, 13 points. And every once in a while, one of one of three or four different groups of guys, because Malik Monk could do it at any night. There's other guys. You never know if Terrence Davis is going to have a night. Davion Mitchell, uh, Rashawn Holmes, is still really good at basketball. So you never really know who's going to have it, but it's interesting to me. Um, Rashawn Holmes is good at basketball when he's the only big on the floor. But um, I think that it is intriguing to me, and right now I would say HB when it comes to production next year. But when you're talking long-term, like what is the big three of the Sacramento Kings right now, I would put Keegan uh, just because in my mind he's more like long-term plan.
1: I think it, I think that's a that's a good way to differentiate. Like who – from a production standpoint, right? Which is kind of what I was talking to. And then obviously what means more to the franchise. And I think that's actually probably the bigger discussion because to your point about, you know, Zion Williamson and him having having not played last year and kind of the things he's gone through. And even someone like me kind of poking fun a little bit of Michael Porter Jr. Like paying him like he is. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's more of the, what does it mean to your overall franchise? Like who's the more important piece to your franchise? So I feel like having maybe two big threes, I would agree with you. Yeah, Keegan Murray, De'Aaron Fox and and Demontis Sabonis would be that big three for Sacramento in that regard, in terms of the most important pieces to your franchise.
2: The real answer here is De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, and Donovan Mitchell, obviously, by the
1: way. I thought you were gonna uh, say Keon Ellis. Oh well, no no no. Oh, that, wow, see. Keon. He can't be grouped so. with
2: other people. He he's tier one he and then well. there's the big three. <laughs> you know. <okay>. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, that's amazing.
2: Um,
3: yeah, I, I found it interesting, too, because I, I look at Dallas, and I'm like, okay, well, Dallas is going to be part of the playoff picture. I mean, they made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. They did lose a big piece, but uh, who is their big three? I mean, Quite it's Christian. Maybe Christian Wood and Luka Doncic and Demwitty or Hardaway, and then I start looking at Utah, and I'm like, how disrespectful. They, they trade – away rudy gobert and then you automatically think that they're done just because they lost gobert doesn't mean they're done like if they lose mitchell as well then yeah they're done but you're telling me that jordan clarkson and you know bogdanovich and donovan mitchell and uh, mike Connolly, like th- we could piece together a big three there that's probably better than any big three the kings can piece together and so, I, I just think it's interesting the way that we see. It. Even Portland, you know, you got it, it would be a, a top heavy, uh, big three, more of a triangle than a big three. But you know, you got Damian Lillard, you got Simon, you got Jeremy Grant. So I think the Kings are in the running there with a lot of these teams. If you look at the big three idea, but I also think the Kings are built differently, where they're more of a eight man squad. Than they are a big three where I, you know, again, I would take the Kings eight man squad over the Lakers eight man squad. And my, I wouldn't take their big three over the Lakers big three, but I certainly would take the eight man squad over what they're going to run out there. And I think it's, it's just like an interesting exercise to kind of see, you know, how you, you frame a team and, and I guess, you know, how the teams will stack up once the season starts but if you look at the list, and then we see the omitted teams, where do you guys see the Kings as of August 4th? <laughs> where do you see them? Do you see them as an 11-12? Do you see them as a 7-8? Like, where do you think they can be in this season? I, I don't know if can be, or where do you Maybe think should. they— should. <laughs> or oh, could. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, if you were to peg them at, like, where— You would put them at this point. Yeah. Sean, what do you got?
1: You can see the agony on my face. You don't want to do it, do you? I, 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 because, I mean, God. It's hard. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, it's like. Go ahead, Brendan. Maybe you can offer. I, I don't know that I'm capable of playing that game. I just don't. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, you kind of have to see it first. You want to, you want to see how things shape up and, um, get a little bit of a of a feel for it a little bit more because on paper like sure I guess they could compete and be as high as six I don't think I see them going past that but I think they could be as bad as 11 you know <laughs> like I don't that's such a big span and I don't think it appropriately answers the question
2: Sean has given like
1: vibes of like a player that
2: just gives you the most basic answers in media these cookie cutter answers anytime you ask him about a record well He's it's hard to Coastal. talk about that yeah I'm, <laughs> Full coast of
3: Kufis. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go out there. We're, we're no gonna try our choice. best, uh, <laughs> and we're gonna let the chips fall where they may. And you know, uh, whatever. As long as we're in it together, uh, you know, <laughs> w- we should just be fine. And you know, and, and we'll we'll be back again tomorrow. a new day. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> throw a movie reference in there at some point, and you got go. Sean oh, Cunningham. Yes.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> there it is. To a T. To a T.
2: I will say a nine to 11 seed. Um, and and maybe that's too wide of a range. If it is, let me know for kind of what you're asking. But I I think that that's sort of what we're talking about. Uh, Sean, you have no room to talk here. Um, No, that's, but that's (laughs) point. Like it's,
1: it's, 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 there's so much vast real estate between those spots that it doesn't appropriately answer the question because you can't, you can't like certainly they're capable like if things go right and and injuries happen in the West, like you're capable of of doing some things that that might over that might get you over the hump and exceed some expectations. I just don't know what those expectations should be, other than being a postseason playoff team. Like your postseason, that should be your expectation, right? But like, where are they? Are they better than Denver? I don't. No, I don't think so. Are they better than the Lakers? I don't. Probably not. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, like they're going to do another double down on, on what they have there. And if, if everyone's healthy and you've got LeBron and AD to James's point, is that one and two better than the one through eight that you feel better of roster wise and quality depth wise? Sure. But can that, can that big two win you more games? And we've seen a big two win more games in the regular season. uh, Sometimes than than quality depth has. So, It's just such a tough question, man. You got Eurobasket coming up. What if I don't want to put like? What if something happens to one of these teams? I know, man. Don't you? Hey, I didn't say to any team in particular. (laughs) I said to one of these teams, so you know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
3: So I guess if if I'm going to ask you guys to answer the question, then I I mean I think we do have to look at it with a broad stroke. They are probably a six through eleven team. I think we we can think of four teams that are below them and we can think of five or six teams that there's no way that they can be as good as barring major injuries you know you've got memphis you've got golden state you've got um phoenix uh like who will help me out here the interesting
1: the, the interesting one to me to be honest is utah like i think i like i think utah is has a bigger range where it's like yeah you could be pretty decent i don't think anyone's gonna expect anything from you but i could also see you not making the playoffs at all like seriously like first time head coach i know they've got talent over there i know that i get it but knowing everything that that franchise has kind of gone through and, and rumors with surrounding donovan mitchell and here you have a first time head coach like like it would not shock me to be, I'm, and, and I, I, it wouldn't shock me to see them come fall out of the fall out of the race. It really wouldn't. Especially okay. again, here we are in August. Like you said, James, if they moved Donovan Mitchell, then you almost expect it. But even if you don't, okay, like what's it going to look like?
3: I don't think it it will be horrible. Well, I mean, I guess you don't have any bigs at this point. But yeah. then I'd even throw this at you, Sean. You say that, but. You don't mention that that the Lakers also have a first time head coach, and that thing could go all kinds of sideways. Especially 100%. if if he tries the but the the, but the, ca- the, friendo the ca- approach that it kind of seems friendo. like he's trying to do. Hey, you know, we're all friends. <laughs> you know, let's all let's all do this together. Uh, that may not work.
1: There, the caveat there is you already saw them terrible. Like they were bad. So you're going from Utah, who was I mean top top one of the top teams in the West. And without, and I'm not saying just because of Gobert. I mean, obviously they've made a couple other moves as well, but you know, can that team? I don't think that team's going to duplicate a top seed in the West, uh, even if they don't make any other moves going forward. But if they stay as is with a new head coach, I could see them being pretty good, maybe from the range of four. But I could also see them not making the playoffs. Like that's that's kind of the range I'm talking about. So, like to me, it's I see teams that have a bigger. Range than what the Kings do. Like, again, 6 through 11, that's pretty crazy to talk about. But, I mean, we could talk about Utah and say, like, could you be 4 or 5 or could you be 12? And that's even bigger to me.
3: Yeah, and, I mean, just going through and looking at, there are other wild card teams too. So we just – you can't expect that Minnesota is going to get – you can't guarantee that Minnesota is going to get better. Minnesota could be a three seed. They They could also be – an 11-12. They could be a team that totally falls off. Just because you go out and get Gobert and you gave all this capital up, the true thing that you're banking on there is that Anthony Edwards like, develops and becomes a superstar, and then that Cat and, and Gobert don't get in the way. But you also gave up like your heart and your soul and Pat Bev in order to make that move. And so, I mean, I, it does make for some interesting... I think there are a lot of teams that are on this crazy slide rule this year. I mean, the Pelicans, same exact thing. They could be good. They could also just be not good at all. Like, we could see the same exact thing that's happened the last couple of years with that team. Even, they haven't even ever had the opportunity to play, like, Valanchunas and and Zion together. They don't even know if that will work. And you're just like, ah, it'll be fine. It'll all work itself out. Oh, maybe it will. Maybe it won't, but you're taking a bunch of shots away from uh, Brandon Ingram. You're taking a bunch of shots away from CJ McCollum to give them to a guy who not only can't stay healthy, but almost won't stay healthy. Like it's almost like a a decision that he makes that he just, you know, whether he's going to play or not. And so I, I think there's a lot of variables and the whole slow and steady wins a race might be the way that the Kings end up that's why I put them all the way up at six and all the way down to 11. I think there's a possibility that they're just steady the whole year and improve defensively the whole year and build chemistry the whole year. And by the time you get to the end, they're a strong team
1: and and stay healthy and stay healthy. I,
2: I think there's a big grouping kind of like we're talking about here of teams with a wide variety of potential outcomes and Sacramento falls into that. And that's what makes this so Complicated, you know, and there's always going to be one team that we didn't expect to be as good. Like if OKC actually gives a damn and plays all their guys, I don't think it's like unreasonable that they are in the play. Like, I don't know that I'm betting on it, but I think it's a possibility. Like someone could be better than we're expecting. And one of these top teams might not be as good as we're expecting. Um, So I'm going somewhere for the Kings between two and 14 in my eyes. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ.
3: Well, I deserve that.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, all right, gun to your head, okay? How do you expect one through three to play out by playoff time? So who? give me the top three seeds in the West if there was a gun to your head. Because I think that might be a little bit more of a... Uh, Golden State, I, Phoenix. Any pro- variation of them, right? Probably Memphis,
3: Memphis again. And Memphis because... John Morant missed, like, 22 games, and they were still, like, all the way up there. Hmm. I think that they're a team that's, like, they're pushing the ceiling.
1: I'm going to put Denver. The, that's what I – yep. Over Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too.
3: Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I, I like Denver. Who do, you think,
1: who do you think finishes number one?
2: I think Denver. Like, I actually was thinking about this the other day. I, I think that I would pick Denver to win the whole thing, like – or at least to get out of the West. Like – yeah. I really think that Denver's really good. I really like Contavious Caldwell-Pope as a complimentary piece. I know they gave up Monte Morris in that. Um, I, I think that Michael Porter Jr., I know we kind of touched on him a little bit earlier, but he did average 19 on 54% from the field, 44% from three. Like, I think there is questions of like self-creation when it comes, and that's something that you want from a guy that you're paying that type of money, but when he's playing off of Jokic, he doesn't really have to do that. Um, I, I think that Jamal Murray is ridiculously good. Like, I, I think that Denver's gonna be a really, really good team.
1: Did they? Did they add enough shooting? Even if having Jamal Murray back and Michael Porter Jr. back, I still don't think they have enough shooting.
3: Yeah, and they lost Austin Rivers, which I, I know. I, like, I've never been Austin Rivers guy, but he's a he's a professional
2: three point shooter,
3: a professional Aaron marksman. Gordon just,
1: Aaron Gordon just isn't that dude. No, no, but I think he looks dude. better
2: when he's the fourth guy compared to like the right. second that I he agree. was last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they need they need shooting I, yeah. to me, and I think they can still get it. And I think you know midseason trade whatever. But I think I agree with you. I think they're going to be a top three team. I don't know that they're going to be number one. Um, I I have a real weird feeling about Memphis this year. Like I think Memphis is going to mm. be. I think they could be number one.
2: Hmm. I think Phoenix is going to not be the same like force in the regular season. I agree with you. I'm a little skeptical of like, what is the chemistry going to be like with this team after everything that just happened with Aiton? And could there be more roster shakeup? Is CP3's health is still a question. Like he's been pretty healthy these last couple of years, but can't forget kind of his previous uh, concerns there. Like if CP goes down and, and Aiton's unhappy, like I think there's a world where you're talking about the Suns at like a five seed.
1: And, yeah. and just so, just so we're fair here, because I'm sure there's somebody listening to this going, "Well, why is it that you can have this nuanced discussion about one through three and not plug the Kings in anywhere?" And it's the obvious answer there is, is because you have more of a sample size of what those teams look like. You know, they're not adding integral pieces that are going to factor in, and you've never seen them play with one another under a head coach that you've never seen them play for. So. There's too many variables that you just don't have answers for compared to a team like Memphis who you know, and the Warriors who you have this sample size and you know what their core looks like and you know some of the pieces that they've added and when they've added these pieces, it's not like you're supplanting one of their big three. And I think going back to the discussion of the big three, you already know what those big three look like. Um, Now, obviously the Warriors graphic was a little janky there because you had somebody like Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins over guys Mm. like Clay Thompson and Draymond Green but yeah. you you know what your core looks like you know what your coaching staff looks like and you know what they're capable of this Kings team I'm sorry you just don't have anything on paper to where you can really look at that and go this is what you're capable of and and again I think that they you have the possibility that everything really clicks well and I think if anything if everything goes entirely well at their best they could probably be six right now and I think if that plays the game that you can see a world where that exists, as Brendan says, with 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 the Phoenix Suns falling to fifth. But you can also, and it shouldn't shock anyone, you can also see them not making the play-in tournament. And while that would be incredibly disappointing, you know, would it really shock a lot of people? You shouldn't be shocked at this point.
3: No, and I think people forget the natural progression of NBA teams. Typically, a team sneaks into the
2: back end of the playoffs. Like, there's 7-8 they forget right? because the kings don't naturally progress
3: yes exactly <laughs> well but even if we look at the play-in era you're usually like a 7 through 10 team in in, in you're somewhere in the middle of that it which you don't want to do is get stalled out as like a seven, eight, nine, ten team the kings have been stalled out as like a one a, like an 11 12 13 team for a long time but my point is that the typical progression of an NBA team is that they barely squeak in one year and they learn something, and they come back the next year and they're better and they might move up two spots and then they they get bounced. And then by year three of making the playoffs, that's usually when they hit this crazy accelerator. So whether it's players learning, players, you know, figuring out that you you have to dedicate your more yourself more to Sort of getting getting over the hump at the end of the day, not worrying about your your uh, regular season record, but worrying more about like saving enough for the playoffs. Or a team goes out and says, "Okay, we're one piece away," and they make some monstrous deal to take them from a six seed up to you know a one, two, three. So we haven't get to see that progression in Sacramento. Brendan's right, but like the Kings, that's where Brendan I think. I disagree with you quite often when you say, what is the ceiling for this team? Because I think, like Sean, the ceiling for this team this year is probably a 6. Now, the floor is probably an 11. They, they'll be somewhere in between there, but I don't see their ceiling stretching. But if they somehow get to a 6-7-8, I would expect their ceiling next season to be higher, to be a, a 5 6 seven or a four or five, six, because that's kind of the natural progression that teams take as they're growing and building and and trying to create something. Um, And and it's just, we haven't seen it. It's been derailed for so long in Sacramento. We haven't seen it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that especially since some of the guys that they brought in were younger than maybe I would have expected that I have a little bit more optimism when it comes to like the upside and, and ceiling of, This roster, Um, but without going too deep into that same conversation, I guess, I, I just think that, like, the whole debate, like, kind of what we were talking about with the Lakers, like, do you take the top end talent or the depth? I think that you obviously have to have both, but it's an interesting discussion of what is more important and what's more valuable because there could be a year, this could be the year that the Kings have good depth. And they're only going to go as far, still in my mind, as those top players are able to take you. So I think the question of the ceiling, in my mind, is how good can Fox and Sabonis really be? And I guess I don't quite know the answer to that. But as of now, like neither one is a clear cut star in my mind.
3: Okay, Well, I, I get it. I, I mean, this is—I think it's a good discussion. It's a good off-season discussion, and and I think there's also like there's a chance that this is not the roster that they walk into the season with we're getting closer and
1: closer to nor finish the season with yeah oh like, well, like certainly yes. yeah like if you think like I think people when they always they go oh this is a 35 win team forty win team whatever it is it's like you're looking at what your team is right now and then you look at the end of the year and even though they've added somebody like Demonis Sabonis midseason last season if you get well I had him at 33 wins and they fell short of that and it's like well yeah but you had him at 33 wins based off a Tyrese Halliburton squad and then they finished with the demondis Monas squad. And so that team looked different, but they still ended up short. Like, whatever you're predicting right now, that team is going to look different come April. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, this is a team that's primed not only to make a trade now, and it's kind of, you know, things that we're expecting still, but if they can keep their head anywhere around the eighth spot in the West, and let's say you're three games around eight, it's kind of like baseball. Like, you need to go out and make that move to, to add to help you right away to try and get you into a playoff spot. And hopefully that piece is rather significant. The difference is last year, that wasn't the move last year was a franchise altering move because you shifted course completely. You know, you, you you drew a line, a fine line in the sand and said, this is what we we're going to mortgage future for the now and for the present. And that's a different type of move rather than trading for somebody like I think Brendan made mention or James you mentioned Patrick Beverly a minute ago like a role a role player who comes in who can help push you in a and and, and better you in a significant uh, uh, factor of your of your roster right away
3: yeah I'd even say like if there were a move that would be like more defining than anything else right now I don't know that you can move Harrison Barnes for the player that that would be better than Harrison Barnes And if the Kings had more space in the backcourt, I would go to Utah, and I would try to get a guy like Pat Bev, because it brings a personality that can shift you from being, like, we keep talking about the floor, which is around 11, and I don't think that's the floor anymore. I think the floor becomes a seven. And it's not because Pat uh, Patrick Beverly is so much better than everybody else. It's that he brings in a personality that changes a culture of a team and has proven time and time again to actually work and become, you know, like hold a team into a playoff stretch where they have no business being there. And that's, that's to me where, like if they're, I don't know that the Kings can make some like crazy defining move to go pick up like a great 3 and D wing that will change everything. You know, I don't think there's a Ben Simmons deal down the pipeline, um, but I do think that there is a possibility to do a smaller move that could almost be as impactful short-term, not long-term, but short-term, and and make a move like that. But again, I don't know where he would fit into the whole world of what the Sacramento Kings have, which I, it brings us to our other topic today, which is, you know, we we're, uh, we're going to start talking about position battles. And you know, training camp is, is a ways away, but I think we can already see that there is at least one major position battle for a starting job. Um, I think most of the other starting jobs are already taken, and it's going to be like competition for minutes. But the shooting guard spot on this team seems to be the one spot where I, I think we expect—well, I expect that herder will probably get the first shot— But I can also see a world where Malik Monk comes in and takes the job because he's played next to De'Aaron Fox. I could see a world where Davion Mitchell starts uh, alongside De'Aaron Fox because he's a defensive force. Um, I can see... Don't don't say I I can't see a world where Keon Ellis starts.
2: Oh, um, I can.
3: Or a world where Terrence Davis starts, but... Uh, if you guys were choosing right now, let's just start with you, Brendan. What do you got? If you're if you're looking at the shooting guard position, what is your depth chart right now? Because uh, it's something I did for on the Kings beat on Wednesday. I basically broke down the depth chart and kind of where it looks like it's at right now. But I think it's gonna. I mean, it has a chance to change during training camp.
2: Yeah, I think for me, it's pretty easy that it's Kevin Herder. Um, I, I don't, in my mind, have all too much of a question there. I, I think what will be interesting is kind of finagling his minutes because I, I think he kind of needs to be the, maybe not the backup three, but play a handful of minutes at the three as well. Like, I think there's a lot of lineups where we see Herter and another one of these guards that we're talking about, a Terrence Davis, a Malik Monk, uh Davion Mitchell. Um, so I, I think in my mind, the starting lineup that makes the most sense um, easily to me is Fox, Herder, Murray, Barnes, and Savonis. Um, that's easily the direction that I would go.
1: What do you got, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I I agree. That's that's probably the roster I would start with. Um, as it pertains to Herder, um, yeah, definitely. That's he's the starting two guard in my mind. I think he will play three uh, at times, but he's he's the starting two guard in my mind, and I don't really see. So I don't I don't see the Malik Monk starting happening unless, you know, there's injury or something crazy happens down the stretch. But I think he's gonna be your starting starting three and and I think that even if you end up playing a bulk rotation where Monk and Herter are on the floor together, I just don't see him starting that way though. What about Rashawn Holmes, Sean? What's going on here? I didn't say I would start Rashawn <laughs> Holmes for the record. again, <clears throat> Jesus. My no, God. I, I'm I, with I, those you. Those people are crazy. Um <laughs> yeah the internet is wild place um, i might again, be feeding the fire not, but yeah it's fine <laughs> i do love i do love the uh, comments i get more amused at comments and it's just such a it's just just an awesome place <laughs> yeah
3: well i i think this plays into a larger question i agree herger at six seven um he's a guy who just it gives you a big guard which the kings haven't had it gives you a big shooting guard that realistically i think has um, been undervalued for some time i think that they're if you look at his career stats and he's kind of plateaued at 12 points a game i don't expect that to be his stats in sacramento at all i expect him to have a much more offensive impact on on the entire you know what's happening um but i also i, I think that there's going to be like an eight slash nine man rotation And it's pretty easy for me to come up with eight. And then you got like seven other guys fighting for who's going to be the eight and a half to that half to nine. So if you look at the backcourt with with Fox and and Mitchell, I mean, I got Fox slated for a minute, well, like 35 minutes, 34 to 36 minutes. If I look at Davion, I got him slated for 28 to 30 minutes. Okay, you just ate up like all but 30 something minutes of your 96 minutes in the backcourt so where do you find the other minutes because again I think a guy like Malik Monk probably going to play 24 to 28 minutes for the Sacramento Kings I think Herder's going to play 30 minutes okay now I'm way too high on minutes so where do I get these minutes from and so I think a lot of those minutes are going to come at the at the small forward position I think Harrison Barnes is going to play a lot of minutes at the four again I think Rashawn Holmes, you're going to have to balance out how to fit Rashawn Holmes in with Sabonis, but also as a backup, I think Keegan Murray is probably going to start at the four, and I expect him to play it early in the season, 24 to 26, but late in the season, 28 plus, maybe even more than that. So like, I think you can. that's eight players right there. So how does Chimezi Metu or Chima Moneki or KZ Akpala or uh, Trey Lyles... Ch- Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis, yeah. uh, Alex Len. Keon Ellis. Keon Ellis playing 47 minutes a night. Like, how does this happen? And I think that that's where you can start to piece together a pretty tight rotation. But then who's going to be that guy who sort of wins out the extra spot? So I think while, like, the shooting guard spot, there are a lot of people who think, oh, man, the combination of Fox and Monk together. I, I like the combination of Davion and Monk together much more coming off the bench because now you have your defensive guy and your offensive weapon. I like the idea of a big guard starting next to De'Aaron Fox in case you do play against bigger players and you need him to take on a strong guy uh, as opposed to, you know, and let Fox work. Uh, So I I think we're starting to see sort of a rotation. Now, where does it go from there? How do these other guys get in the mix?
2: What what, uh, interests me, and I heard you guys say this on the last episode too, you just mentioned like, 28 to 30 minutes for Davion, right? And I think Sean had a similar number, like 28, I think you said, last episode. I'm not, like, convinced. Like, I feel like that's a lot of minutes. A lot of minutes for a bench player, and I'm not convinced it's even the first guy off the bench. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not—are we sure that—last year, right, Davion averaged 27 minutes per game. The last 11 games, when he was starting and running the show, he averaged 39 and in the other 64, is about 25. And are we sure with Herter coming in, with Monk coming in, I, I know the Buddy and Tyrese are out. Like, I guess that those kind of cancel each other out when it comes to rotational opportunity. But, like, I'm not so convinced that Davion's going to have 30 minutes. Sean,
3: you got something uh, on I mean,
1: that? I mean, I think it'll be pretty consistent. Um, you know, I know positionless basketball and all that, but – um, just for what he brings defensively, I think is going to be. And they've added a lot of length where they can have a guy like him on the floor who doesn't have that type of length. So I think that's uh, especially what he brings defensively, you know, and the way Fox is. And Well, it's um, just the shooting, though, right? Like, I'm not convinced that you
2: can play Fox a bonus and Davion Mitchell. Davion shot 32% on catch-and-shoot not threes either. last
1: year. Like, I'm not either, by the way. Um, but no, I I just think as a grand scope, I think he's going to average right around 28 minutes a game. I think it's going to be in that discussion, and I think you know for for them, it should be pretty imperative to to have that type of production from him. I, I don't think the but the addition of Malik Monk and Kevin Herter, and I, I just don't think that that will hurt his minutes. I really don't. Yeah, I, I'm of the same. I, I think also. Opinion. Be I think because also like you know you factor in Della I don't really feel like he factors much um, if he, if he's there at all. Yeah. And again, like you have guys that are, that are better playmaking in other positions, which is true, but I still don't feel like, I still feel like you're going to have to rely on somebody like Davion Mitchell to be a primary playmaker. uh, uh, Especially when you're, especially when you, with Fox, you know, I think, I think you're going to need that. I think you want to have playmaking at almost every position and, by virtue of just him being the backup point guard and, and obviously what he did last year, I think they're still going to utilize him a lot, especially for considering what he brings defensively. Yeah, I might
2: be going too crazy for shooting, but I think that's really where this comes from on my end is that like you have options like a Malik Monk who's shooting 41% last year on catch-and-shoot threes to Davion's 32 Like, I, I just think that that spacing is so important and and maybe that's just something that I'm a little tunnel vision dot and obviously Mike Brown is uh touted as a very defensive guy and I could see him really enjoying Davion for that reason and and Davion's talked a lot about how he's his shot is the number one thing he's working on this offseason so if there's improvement there but that's definitely where it stems from with me is that like when Fox and Sabonis are both on the floor I think it's hard to play another guy that defenses don't care about from the beyond the perimeter because that's the point it got to with Davion last year we saw it with Mezzi we saw it with Bagley like if you have another guy out there that defenses do not care about from beyond three, like it just makes things so much more difficult. And you have guys like last year, it was like, okay, well, Bagley's not hitting shots. I guess we're going to try Mezzi, another guy that's probably not really a shooter, but what other options do we have? And this year it's like, okay, Davion's not in his shots. Well, we do have two really good shooters right here in Herder and Monk.
3: Yeah. I think my biggest, like where I would argue this is that like watching Davion Mitchell, He's a better shooter than he was last year. Yeah, I think he will shoot closer to 37 to 39% for his career from three. Like, he's just too good of a shooter. He works too hard. Um, his mechanics are too refined. And I think when we talk about spacing, what we forget is that if you have players that space the floor, they space the floor for everybody. And guys like Fox and Sabonis they actually space the floor for shooters as much as shooters space the floor for them. So because the entire focus of a defense is going to be on ways to stop Fox, ways to stop Sabonis, or ways to stop Fox and Sabonis when they're together, it creates openings for the other guys on the perimeter. So while he didn't hit his shots last year, I think it was a little bit of an anomaly. And I, I look back, you know, while you guys were talking about uh, I look back to last season and, and Gary Payton uh, for the Warriors. He didn't play as many minutes. He only played like 18 minutes, but he shot 35.8% from three. And that's kind of where if you can get Davion even to that level, it really does open everything up. He opens for them. They open for him. His ability to break guys down off the dribble, to pull up and to, to stop and pop at like 15 to 18 feet is big. Um, So I think he can mask a lot of the issues as long as he isn't just a bad three-point shooter. And his college career told me he wasn't well. His final year in college showed me he wasn't. But also his work ethic and the way that his mechanics. I I just don't see him being a poor three-point shooter.
2: There's definitely lots of reasons to believe. I, I agree. I think like the form looks really good. I mean, I'm far from a shot doctor or anything like that, but I think there's reason to believe when it comes to that and the work ethic, obviously. And anyone in the coaching staff will always tell you that they believe in Davion and, and just rave about him. But I I don't know. I, I think that I see him being a good shooter. I just can't shake that that senior year at Baylor is the outlier right now. Like He wasn't a good shooter last year. He's also really bad from the free throw line, by the way. And I feel like this doesn't get talked about. He's like really bad from the free throw line. He shot 65% throughout his college career. Um, I don't have his Sacramento number in front of me right get it. now. Uh, 65% last year. Yeah. Um, on just over one a game, he, he hardly gets to the line. But like, as of right now, that 44% that he shot a senior year at Baylor is the outlier because the year before is 32%. His freshman year at Auburn was 28%. And even that year, he shot 44% from three. He shot 64% from the free throw line, which is here and there a, a decent indicator of shooting. So, like, I believe in it, and I, I think there's, well, I think there's reasons to believe in it. And I get that. I, I just can't shake that, like, right now there's only one outlier season where he actually was a good shooter.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really good point. Not, I mean, if you're looking at guys coming out of college and you want to know if they're going to improve as a three-point shooter— one of the easiest things to do is to look at their free throw percentage. And you're right. He's not a good free throw shooter, but these are like the, I just, I don't buy it for some reason with him. Like he passes the eye test for me and, and I think he'll actually be okay. And and this
2: is what Alvin Gentry said. Anytime. If I ever tried to like question Davion, like, Oh, you know, some specific detail that I didn't feel like he was doing great. It was pretty much exactly what you said in response of like, he's going to figure it out. I believe in him.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. It's a, it, he's, as a player, um, he's one of those rare players that you do kind of go, okay, I, I think he'll work his way through it. Um, and I also think he'll be, he'll come in in great shape, but he'll also understand that he can't just work himself into the ground all the time, especially if his role is increasing and stuff like that. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to get to the business of basketball uh, and Brendan is going to take this over today. Um,
2: he's got some
3: true or false questions and
2: he's oh going to, yeah, yeah. I know Sean loves to predict the future, so I that's do. what we're going to do here. <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: Predictions.
2: All right. I will, I will throw you guys some statements and, and you go with true or false, or if you'd like to be hip with the times, we can go factor cap. If you guys understand what I'm saying here.
1: I do. Um, James, cap is what the uh, young people say about uh, a lie. So if that's something that's false, you go, okay. And he, look, he froze. His brain froze. It's not good. He can't handle he, it. it. It can't happen. He can't, yeah. He can't. This I, is better than when he froze before because we had I, I froze, yeah. Oh, there he is. Yeah,
3: yeah I froze <laughs> right in the middle of your explanation of cap, <laughs> which you have to understand that I'm on the radio uh, three times a week with Dilo and Casey uh, talking about uh, these things. So, yes. Gotcha. All
2: right, so one of my first ones. We'll go with factor cap then since you guys are young and hip. Um, <laughs> this one fits with what we were just talking about. Malik Monk will average more minutes per game than Davion Mitchell. And I'll give a little bit of context. Like I said, last year, Davion averaged 27.7 minutes per game. Um, and Malik Monk with the Lakers averaged 28.1. But fact or cap, Malik Monk will average more minutes per game than Davion Mitchell. James. Cap.
3: Yeah, I I think that Monk is going to be like the fireball coming off the bench, and he's going to have unlimited opportunities to shoot. Um, But I think Davion is going to be in closing lineups, and he's going to be a guy that that they rely on heavily. Like we'll see a lot of three-guard sets, especially early in the season with Fox and Davion and Kevin Herter with guys like either Keegan or Harrison Barnes at the four and Sabonis at the five closing out games. And, uh, I I think he's going to play a bigger role. Uh, but that's just me. Uh,
1: I see it quite possible that he could average more, but I am going to go cap as well, only because I feel like for what Davion Mitchell brings to the basketball court positionally, uh, especially, that that's going to play, that's going to make a bigger uh, opportunity for him to play a bigger role than somebody like Malik Monk, who's going to compete with more people from a scoring standpoint. If that makes sense, um, I just feel like there's there's not as much depth in the point guard position. Even though I don't really love Davion Mitchell as a point guard, I think I've talked about that he's more of a combo guard, in my opinion. But he's going to have to play the role of a point guard, and whereas. Malik Monk, who may have the ball in his hands at times, uh, is going to play the role of a shooting guard. So, um, I know we talk a lot about position positionless basketball, but I think as a result of that, I just I think it's going to be uh, Cap because I think uh, Davion Mitchell will have more opportunity.
2: Davion does definitely have an aspect that he might be the only player on the roster that he provides um, with his point of attack defense and, and kind of just being a ball hound and really just being able to bother I guess like uh you know Casey Paula falls into that a little bit but they're different positionally so I will also say cap um <laughs> if Herter was not a part of the roster I think I'd feel differently um, oh yeah because like I, I just think uh, I'm obsessed with with spacing and shooting um so I, I think that Having Fox and Sabonis out there, again, two guys that are non-shooters, I, I think the three others need to be elite shooters. And like I think that, that you have an opportunity to do that now. I, I think Fox Sabonis and then pick your three between Herter, Monk, uh, if you want to throw Lyles in there, but HB and Keegan. Um, Lyles is the outlier of that grouping. But, yeah, I, I think that there's um, moments where Monk will – play more, but I, I think it'll be, it'll be pretty close. Next Hang one. On. I, I'm going to yes. say
3: barring injury too. I see a lot of lineups where Fox and Sabonis or Fox and Mitchell or Mitchell and Sabonis are going to be on the court at the same time. I think where we talk about, there always has to be one of Fox or Sabonis on the court. I think there will always be two of Fox Mitchell and Sabonis on the court at all times. So My point would be like at the six-minute mark of the first quarter, I think they'll probably pull De'Aaron Fox for Davion Mitchell. He'll play with Sabonis for the next three minutes. Fox will come back in at the nine-minute mark of the first quarter. Sabonis will come off the court, and then you'll just keep rolling with those three with two of them being on the court at most times. But that's just my opinion.
2: No, that makes sense. I I think that we'll definitely see a lot of, I would expect a lot of staggering, kind of like you just uh, laid out. And it's interesting. I I think that yeah the spacing is going to be interesting to me to see kind of how this all plays out throughout this season and the whole idea of Davion being in a closing lineup in my mind is definitely still very reliant on how much improvement we see in this three-point shot next one I got for you guys one of Harrison Barnes or Rashawn Holmes one or both will be on the Sacramento Kings in the 2023 2024 season fact or cap
1: that is fact in my opinion
2: so, not, not this year coming up, but the year after.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Maybe I misunderstood. Say <laughs> that one more time.
2: So, not this season because, right, this oh, year okay. is, what, they're 22, 22 for, 23. But, but the season. year after, one of HB or Rashawn Holmes will be on the roster oh, still.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Sorry. I want to change my answer. I'm going to say Cap.
2: Cap? Think they're both gone? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree
3: uh, with Sean. Yeah, I, I, I think thought that you were saying this season. I felt like an no. idiot. I was like,
1: I'm ready for this one. <laughs> I,
3: I think there's a possibility that one of them doesn't survive this season. Also, both of them doesn't survive this season specifically. Um, but, you know, you can't just keep, uh, like, a luxury item when you're not a team that can have luxury items on your roster, like Rashawn Holmes.
2: Right, right. Yeah, no, I uh, definitely see, and obviously the two guys that are, uh, I guess— maybe you would say on the block or the guys that are getting talked about the most in uh, in kind of trade conversations. The reason for that one, what do I have next for you guys? Fact or cap, the Sacramento Kings will have an all-star within the next two seasons. James? Mm. Fact. I, I think...
3: Based what? I, I just... I have a feeling that they're going to get off to a decent start they'll be in the hunt at the all-star game. They'll have two players with all-star level numbers. And one of those players will get rewarded because they're in the conversation.
1: And who do you think that is?
3: Fox and Sabonis. One of those two, two, whether like who's going to make it over, over who, I I don't know. But you know, I, I definitely think that there's a possibility for, one or even both in the next two years
1: next two years and you're saying uh, okay I'm, I'm just gonna say cap i, I yeah i just that's I, I can't picture it yet
2: no fair enough All right. yeah, the last all-star was boogie that made it three years in a row from 14 to 17 and before that you guys know brad miller right
3: right no three 2003 yeah uh, 304 yeah
1: I, again, and I think that they can put up all-star quality numbers. That's not saying anything disparaging about them as professionals. It's going to take, a, I think in my opinion, it would take a lot of wins. I think you'd have to be a top four team. I don't see that happening. So I think you can need a roster move. Um, I think you can, put, again, you can be an all-star caliber player without being an all-star. And you're Sacramento. It's hard to get, it's hard to get votes. It's hard to get. It's hard to get the ultimate respect that you want. Um, you've seen the way All-Stars work in, in the past. Look at, you know, even last year, I think I got laughed at uh, by when Mike Connolly and he ended up being an All-Star. Um, put up All-Star caliber numbers. He hadn't been there before. He's on, on a good team, and he ended up being a, a replacement that got there. So um, I, don't know, I think it's really tough, man. My My response would be that
3: I think the Kings have a shot to be a six seven seed at the all star break and not finish that high, but be at that point at the all star break and then the last twenty five games when defenses tighten up, things change. And if they can get to that point, they I think they will have an all star. Because I, I you're gonna you're gonna be the talk one of the talks of the NBA, a feel good story. Mike Brown will be, you know, doing a bunch of interviews. It'll be a it'll be a really feel good story at the All Star break that's where I would go.
2: I, I think the same. I, I think that like a narrative, obviously it's very reliant on team success, but mm-hmm. I, I think that there will be a focus on like, wow, these guys really changed the, their trajectory and the view of the Sacramento Kings. One of these guys should be an all-star. There's part of me that is like, could it be split between the two? And then since they both get some votes that, that neither one ends up getting in, I guess I would go like De'Aaron between the two, if I had to pick just because like, I think they're going to perform at very similar levels and, you know, maybe it gets looked at as Sabonis has had his all-stars. Let's give this one to De'Aaron or I, I don't know. I think that they're both all-star caliber players, kind of like what Sean was talking about. I agree. There's a lot of caliber, all-star caliber guys that don't make the team. And I think that those two guys are in it. It's just completely relying on team success. And I'm going to go with fact that one of them makes it within the next
1: two years. Yeah, he's also a guard in the West. <laughs> like that's, that's true. I didn't think of positions. Yeah. Yeah. that's the toughest. That's a, that's the toughest one, man. Um,
2: well, but Dejounte Murray made it.
1: Yeah, and
3: Dejounte left.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I. Mean, that's no shade on Dejounte Murray. He's really no, good.
3: He is really no. good. Yeah, but my point would be that at least one spot is open, and I mean, people could expect Clay. But there's also a possibility for Donovan Mitchell not to be in the West, and. I don't think anyone is just like, hey, Portland is going to be great and Damian Lillard is going to slide right back into an all-star spot. I mean, it's possible, but um, I don't see Russell Westbrook being an all-star. You know, I
2: I think that there are some openings that maybe there wasn't before. Totally. Next one I got for you guys. Factor cap. The Sacramento Kings will have a bottom 10 defensive rating this next season. And for reference, last year was 27th. This is per... um, NBA stats 27th last year 30th the year before in the nine stats the nine years that I found um, NBA had defensive ratings there was only one year that the Kings were not in the bottom 10 and they were 19th in 2019-20 will this be the second time in the last decade that the Kings let me let me reword this again the Kings a factor cap the Sacramento Kings will have a bottom 10 defensive rating I say fact You think they'll be bottom 10?
1: Yeah, yeah, but I think they'll, I mean, (laughs) you've got room to improve. I think you'll improve. I think that's a, I also think that's a a good benchmark, like, of improvement, where, you know, to show improvement from one year to the next, if you can improve to still, you know, go from 27 to 22 to something like that, sure. I think they're going to be
3: really close. Yeah. I think that's like a bottom 10, but would I be surprised if they were 16, 17, 18, 19? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked, and the reason I, I believe that is because I think they're going to be one of the better rebounding teams in the league, just because it, you know they have Sabonis, bonus, but if you're playing Harrison Barnes primarily at the three and he's averaging six and a half a game, that's pretty good. If you're playing Keegan Murray and he's averaging seven plus, that's a lot of rebounds just between those three players. And then I think they've got an opportunity to be a really good rebounding team. And I think they'll also be a pretty tight offensive team. Like I think their efficiency will be good because of the way they run through it. So I think their transition defense will be better because um, they won't be, you know, they'll, the opposition will be pulling the ball out of the basket all the time. So I don't want to say that I believe that they're going to be a... I think they can be the 20th. I also think they could be like 16, but I would put them more like 20, 21, 22 if I were betting.
2: Factor cap, Mr. Hammer. The Kings will have a bottom <laughs> 10 defensive rating. He didn't play uh, the game. Fact. He
1: just gave the analysis.
2: Yeah, facts. Fact. I agree. I, I think uh, I'm like right where you are. I, I think if I had to like guess a specific number i'd be like 22 23 improved on that end oh do you lose me for a sec yeah um, right. i i do think that they're improved on that end but in my mind it's still a team that is going to be carried by their offense and just needs to be good enough or not bad on defense and i think that's somewhere around like 22 23 the issue last year is that like Sure, we knew the Kings were going to be bad defense. They were 25th in offensive rating per basketball reference. Like, Which they have to be terrible. a top 15. Yeah, they have to be, like, a top 15 offense in my mind that's next That, season. to
1: me, again, is the most maddening shit that, that, that has been around this team is the fact that they had inability to score the basketball. Yeah. When you had the ability to run fast and have a fast-paced offense. That that that, that should change this year. And that maybe I'm getting ahead of you, Brendan. That might have been one of your questions, but – They need to be, a like you just mentioned, a top 15 offensive team in the league this year.
2: I agree. Um, Next one up for you guys. This one might be the easiest one on the list in my mind. Harrison Barnes will average the third most points per game on the Sacramento Kings next season. Last year, um, Darren Fox averaged 23.2 in first place. Sabonis was second with 18.9 and then third would be Harrison with 16.4, Herder last year with the Hawks averaged 12.1, Monk last year with the Lakers averaged 13.8. Fact or cap, Sean Cunningham, Harrison Barnes will average the third most points per game next year?
1: Uh, I'll say cap. Um Yeah, I'll say cap. Who is it? Uh, I would I would like him to be, but I just I don't know. Uh I think Kevin Herder is going to have more opportunity this year. I don't think he's going to be shy about shooting the ball, uh, and I think the emergence of Keegan Murray might uh, prevent touches for Harrison. So, yeah, I will say, and 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 who knows? Maybe he's not here by midseason. So, uh, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll say Cap. I'll say Cap as well. Wow, because I, I think that the Kings can have.
3: I get like, I think Fox will average around twenty-four. I think sabonis will average around 20 but then i think they're gonna have three guys who are right around like 15 points a game or maybe even four i think four guys around you know 14 15 16 points a game and herder monk I think monk will actually be a lightning scorer off the bench uh i think keegan murray can average 15 a game without any problems and then i think harrison can average 15 a game um I just think that there's gonna it's gonna be difficult because those guys are all gonna be taking turns on what night that they're hot and what night that they're not, and I know that that's a lot of points per game that I just described, it but um, but yeah, that's you know that's gonna be your main rotation. Um, they're, they're gonna have an opportunity. I think they'll have you know six guys, seven guys in double figure scoring. Who's um, your guess for third then? I think it's a coin flip. But I think Herter has a Mm -hmm. great shot, and I think Keegan Murray has a great shot. And then I think Monk is going to have unlimited opportunity to score off the bench. They're going to say, go ahead and do what you're going to do. We don't care. So...
2: Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I, I definitely said I thought it was the easiest one because I thought that was gonna be a thought that was gonna be a fact with with HB. But I absolutely see it. I, I think that what you guys are pointing out, like Herger getting more shots up and having more opportunity, I, I think that he could put up a lot better numbers than that kind of twelve that he's plateaued at a little bit um, in Atlanta, like you pointed out earlier, James. So I see it. I think that something Chris Watkins pointed out to me, like there is contract year Harrison Barnes. Like if. The issue with HB is he's not getting shots up. Is being in a contract year going to motivate him? Like that's really been the frustration with HB, yeah, right? Yeah, but like, it's,
1: Harris, it's Harrison Barnes, though. It is, but is he's there? Not, he's not that. He's just not that type of personality, though.
2: You don't think last big no, che- paycheck? No,
1: he's not a guy that's going to go out and be like, "I'm going to get mine." He's he's coming off of two of his best seasons ever. Well, it's, like,
2: it's not get mine, though, right? It's just, like, maybe I'm semi-open and I'm going to shoot this three rather than only taking them when I'm wide open.
1: No, I think I think he's done enough, to be honest. I think he's done enough to earn his next contract, his final contract, uh, final whatever impactful contract, if you will. I, I just don't see him scoring more, going in saying, I need to score more. Like, he's just not – that zebra's not changing his stripes. Like, he is what he is, and he's he's – he plays he plays the role very well and there's teams that there again I think it's it's it'll be good he'll be impactful for a good team you know for a good team to be uh, to go out like a, like Denver could use him in the worst way Memphis could use him in the worst way you know and if they had somebody like him that's the type of move that they probably should make yeah you know?
3: yeah I, I just I, I look at Harrison too and I you know the last two seasons he's averaged 16 point one 16 point four but the two seasons before that, they, he was in the 14s per game. So I, I see him potentially taking a step backwards just because he knows that that's not what's going to get him paid. Like he's already been paid twice, I think even like three times. Um, so you, you got a guy who's looking at this the right way, like I want to win, and what do I, whatever he needs to do to make that team win, if he comes in with the right attitude, if he's still on the team – uh, and he comes with the right attitude. Then um, I think him taking one or two less shots per game, which sounds like abhorrent for some people. They're like, "Are you kidding me? Take less shots?" But I think he might feel like that would help because if you got guys like Herter, you've got guys like Keegan Murray that need those shots to sort of get themselves going. Even Monk, then you know, I think they would be willing to do it.
1: And and by the way, I hope I'm not jumping the gun on one of your questions here, but. The guy who I want to see take a rise in scoring is probably. See if you guys can. I have probably already given told on myself before. Do you guys know who I want to see the rise in scoring come from? Herder. Well, no, because I actually I expect that one. The one I the one I want to see David, um, the rise in scoring. No, no Sabonis. Wow, Thank you, Sabonis. That guy needs yeah. to be mm. more selfish. He needs to be more selfish on the offensive end and get his. I want to see 20, twenty twenty three points a game from him.
3: Yeah. I think like easy, 20 and thirteen right. is is like the potential and it's really hard to envision a guy who puts up those numbers in the Western conference and doesn't make the all-star team um, that's just that's just me right. especially if they're competitive and he's a big a- reason why they're competitive. Right, so.
1: and and so that is what I would like to see. I don't know if it's if we're capable of seeing that, but I would say going back to the All Star question, when you guys said that it was DeRenzio, I think it's, I think it's Sabonis. I think Sabonis has the, the easiest shot of making the All Star team. He's a guy with a track record. So. And he's, bi- he's big. It'll be double doubles. I mean, it's a, a, right. to be a big man in the in the West is it's easier to make, in my opinion, easier to make the uh, the All Star team, especially when you're as skilled as he is. Whereas coming as a guard is is tougher, so who you're not neither one is getting in by votes, so who will the coaches reward? We'll see. Yeah. And, and I think
2: interestingly, the Kings have are, are going to have some fun highlights. I, I think that is going to like you know they'll make a SportsCenter Instagram account like way more this year than they would have last year. In my mind, like I, I think that they're going to have more team success obviously and that'll be part of it but I think that there is this doesn't matter all too much but I think when it comes to like how no it doesn't but I think that like (laughs) people outside of Sacramento will like pick up on it a little bit more when they there are more highlight plays and I think that the Kings have some potential of you know finishing plays really explosively with with some of these guys with De'Aaron and and Malik and and I think there's potential for, like, really good ball movement uh, looking. I, I think that you'll see more highlights from the Kings, which, again, doesn't matter all too much. But I do think there is an impact that that has on, like, the national kind of fan base outside of Sacramento. Yeah, Last you one, I, f-
1: You need to be fun to watch. Like, the, the, that's the, right. the, yeah. the toughest part about this team. You need to be fun to watch. You need to Watchability. Have Yep, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Last one I have for you guys, and I think that this one might drive Sean crazy because I'm asking you to look a little bit in the future here. Fact or cap, Kevin Herter will spend the rest of his brand new four-year, $65 million contract with the Sacramento Kings. He's 23 years old, two and a half weeks old from turning 24. Again, just starting this four-year, $65 million deal. Mr. Sean Cunningham, fact or cap that Kevin you Herter me to will go finish that deal with the Kings? Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll say fact. I'll say fact. I feel good about that one.
3: I, too, will say fact. I think he's going to take a huge step. And I think that there are too many options in uh, Atlanta. I think he's going to have an opportunity to get a lot of really wide-open looks and be a really solid two-way player.
2: Absolutely. I am uh, going with the same. I, I think that kind of threw that one in for the sake of, like, I think that Kevin Herder is kind of part of this long-term core. And maybe if, if he improves even more so, that he kind of cements himself even further into that. Obviously, it's not like an untouchable thing. We never know what sort of trades are going to go on or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely encouraging. It's the best get that Monty has this offseason, unless you want to throw Keegan Murray in there as well. But that's all I got for you, fellas.
1: Yeah. I like that. Factor cap. That was
3: fun. I Factor know. cap. There we go.
2: Yeah. And on
3: Herder, too, at like... I just think that there's so much potential there like you're right he fits the where the team is going for sure and I just think he's one of those guys that has been underutilized in the past and we're going to get to see him shine and I would be shocked if he didn't average 16 to 18 points per game over the next four seasons for the Kings
1: most improved player Kevin Herter (laughs) interesting Uh, well, it sounds funny, but it it uh, shoot that could be true. That could be yeah. true. Yeah,
3: interesting. All right. Uh, well, that was fun. Um, I you know the dog days of summer. We still put up a hundred thirty. I mean, an hour and thirty minute long pod. Um, but good good stuff, guys. Um, do we have any final thoughts, Brandon?
2: We'll start with you. Final thoughts. Um, should I go to the Sac Republic game on Saturday? Do you like soccer? I've been playing a whole lot of FIFA.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love soccer. A lot my, of FIFA. My son you know is, a, is
3: really good at FIFA.
1: That That's a... Oh, I just got caught because I actually like FIFA. I like playing FIFA too. It's fun on the video game. But I'm not a soccer guy. But that being said, I think you can have a lot of fun at a soccer public game. It, it's as much fun as you had with the Rivercats and enjoying that. Uh, I think you can enjoy the... If you, it's because you've never been, right? You've never been to a never. Match, I was so,
2: there yeah. for a concert one time, uh, but that's the only what time I've even been to it? the field. It was a Quinn. Uh, what it's like XCI? It's like nineteen something. I don't know.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: I don't know uh, what that
3: means. Any of that? Yeah,
2: he, <laughs> it's okay,
3: James. I'll, I'll, I'll show you.
1: Later. <laughs> Are uh, you familiar, Sean? <laughs> yeah. I am. Oh. Okay. I am. Although I <laughs> XCI, I was like. I think I, I was going to try and pull a Charlie XCX and, and do a little tangent on that one, but it's fine. Yeah, because it's
2: just Roman numerals, right? Is what's going on right. here? Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I will say you should definitely check out the Republic. I, you know, to me, I that's a that's a nice time to do it. It's going to be hot. State fair, State Fair is over, right? Is that done? I can't remember. I don't do know, you know. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. Yeah. Uh, they're going to. I'll be on the lake. Have, I I, I've been
2: getting recommendations on where to sit in the shaded areas.
1: When they when they play what's coming up in September when they're playing in Orlando for that Lamar Hunt Championship, definitely watch that. I know it's not here in Sacramento, but definitely watch that because uh, that's that's some history right there. That would yeah, be, I'm all over be that. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Uh, Sean, do you have any final thoughts? I think I'm going to go see Nope tonight. Uh, I've been putting it off far too much, and it's the uh, Jordan Peele uh, yeah little horror movie there. So either you love it or you hate it that's what i've heard really
3: yeah yeah like there there is no middle ground either you're a huge fan or you think it's horrible so oh
1: okay hmm. um okay.
3: yeah we actually ended up uh buying on our voodoo account the uh the last two what us and what's the other one um oh get out oh yeah get out and then what's the other one us okay okay yeah, I that, liked that. us
1: a lot. I, I think I liked us almost. I mean, I like Get Out too, but I I think I liked us a little bit more just because of how freaking crazy it was. I mean, Get Out's crazy too, but like, yeah, us is just sadistically weird. Man, it's just weird. <laughs> just weird yeah, stuff going on. yeah.
3: It's got to very he's, creative. Yeah, he's. I heavily... love the fact
1: where you can have these creative... like it's so hard to be creative and have something that hasn't been done before, especially in movies and. Um, you
3: know, yeah, he I seems really heavily. Uh, was it beloved Tony Morrison? Is that the the book? Mm-hmm. He seems yeah. heavily influenced by that, like sort of the automatronic, the the something else, the like replica human um, type world, which is which is interesting. Um, yeah, it's good
2: stuff. Dude,
3: Brandon, uh,
1: what movie? What's the last movie you saw? Are you gonna go see one? Gotta uh, I know people hate.
2: This. Next movie I watch will be. Uh, Godfather 2 that is okay. still my plan for next time I watch a movie I got way too caught up in Ozark though this last week I think that I was only on like season one in, or two um, yeah. and I binge watched like I've rarely binge watched in my life um, Ozark was phenomenal I think there's only like three shows I've ever fully completed front to fin- front to back and Ozark is now one of them but next movie will be Godfather 2 that's crazy cool. you have you've only seen that many series. That's like wild. Br- like I I don't understand how I did this, <laughs> but like Breaking Bad, obviously phenomenal. Yeah. But I think I the only thing I haven't seen is the last like f- six episodes or something, oh, which I don't sir. I don't know how I stopped at that point, but I think it was just like something that was happening in life in general and then I fell off of it. And to me, once it's been long enough, like I really want to go watch um Stranger Saul. Things. Oh. Well, I have seen a little bit of Better Call Saul. I think I've seen like the first season. Um, I really want to go rewatch Stranger Things or watch the new season, but I feel like it's been so long that I have to rewatch the previous stuff to catch all the way back up, and that's just a whole process.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that th- would be that would be fun because I haven't seen Stranger Things, so I'm going to start it. You oh. need
3: to watch that, and and then the other one, Sean, I know you would love is Blackbird on. Uh, it's on Apple. It's um, what is this, Terran...
1: Um, who's it? Oh, now we'll oh. be in suspense forever. Yeah, he's not allowed <laughs> to talk about Blackbird. He should know. Better. He's either gonna say Taron Killam from SNL, who I love. He used to be on SNL. Nope. Go ahead. James is back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blackbird, is right? Killam. I yeah, don't know. That, I,
3: I have oh, Okay, so Blackbird. It, who's the dude from uh, The Kingsman? Oh, Edgerton. Edgerton. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's it's absolutely like enthralling. Yeah. So I, I've been watching, the final comes out I think it's only a six part series and the final one comes out um on Friday. So you guys should bench watch that, it's good stuff.
1: Taryn Edgerton is the one that did uh Rocketman.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah, he's well, he's
1: John good. Rocketman's Elton John, Brendan, so <laughs> Elton John <laughs> is
3: a singer from the <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, 1970s, 80s, mm. 90s. If you see almost mm. famous, you'll see you'll hear his hit "Tiny Dancer" and it's fantastic. Mm. As These well sound as, familiar, as well as uh, "Mona Lisa's" and Matt Hatters," which is a phenomenal song that most people. It's a deep cut. Most people don't know that one. Hey, did you uh,
3: did you see him in concert?
1: Oh yeah, yeah yeah. yeah I took yeah. my grandmother. Man, that was that was a lot of fun. That was oh, he's actually amazing. so we were we were approaching Levi's Stadium and uh, on Tuesday, and they have a big banner. Uh, elton john's going to be there and i was like damn i should that would be i don't know it's that i could see him in a stadium though. but ticket. it's like this, yeah man it's expensive
3: and then after watching him like i know this sounds ridiculous but every time i think of him i think of him driving his piano like up and down the aisles of the grocery store you know like, one oh, of the, like the commercial well Didn't I, I just like you see him he's on his piano and all of a sudden his piano starts moving all the way across stage but it's almost like if you saw him, it's his version of a Lark motor scooter, like, or one of the baskets, the driving baskets at the grocery store. I just see him, like, everywhere he goes, he's driving a piano and, like, grabbing stuff off the shelf and just putting it on the piano. That I don't know why it makes me think that, but just the way that he moved on stage, just, it was funny. And I was like, hey, look at that. He looks like a little old, a little strange <laughs> character
2: on a, on a Lark motor scooter. <laughs> so. Is Elton John the Banner in Golden One? Oh, no, huh? Who is Christ, it? No, I Paul just McCartney. forget who it is. Paul I know who McCartney. Paul McCartney is. I just forgot who it was up there. <laughs> we were both at that concert too. Um,
3: we, were, yeah. we
1: were sitting very, very kind of a section from apart from each other. We yeah, like yeah, we could wave each at each other. Yeah, yeah. I put that, my feet up on the rail. It was great. I dropped my phone. Like the yeah, player do.
3: entrance, you, I dropped my phone, and the security guards. It, it for somehow it didn't break, and they threw it you back do this up.
1: A lot. Me. You do this a lot. <laughs> this
3: a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wild, <laughs> awesome. Final all right, thoughts, well, James, uh, final thoughts. Um, yeah, like I don't know if I would go to a Rivercats game. It's too hot. <laughs> stay cool, people. Um, I, you know, I I need to call and get solar on my house because my electrical bill. Uh, because we're all locked in the house now because we all work from home for the most part. Um, yeah, like uh, stay cool this weekend. It's going to be another scorcher and. I mean, my watch right now says it's 99 where I'm at, which means it's 105 in Sacramento. Um, eesh, that's brutal. So uh, that's a good way of me saying I'll be on a boat. Sorry. One of, two. One of the two.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A-holes.
3: <laughs> One of my two. Well, you guys are both welcome to come up and we can boat and barbecue on Sunday. The uh, ham estate. That's right. All right, well that's gonna do it for this edition of the King Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know again how we're we're running this thing an hour and forty minutes. If you don't want to listen to us talk about movies and uh, television shows, then that's okay. You can just stop like ten minutes ago. You can go back and stop there, uh, but it's too late now. Um, again, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll probably start bringing in some guests. Um, if you're still watching? Give us a thumbs up. Uh, I'm still anywhere, yes, yeah, subscribe. Uh, If you're listening on uh, Apple or anywhere else, uh, give us a rating and a review. Those things help us. Um, But thanks for tuning in to the Kings Beat Podcast. So for Fox 40s, Sean Cunningham and the Kings Pulse podcast. Brandon Nunes. Did you see him close his eyes? That was the best part. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you can uh, see this on YouTube, I highly, I highly <laughs> I am James Ham, your Kings insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings beat. See you next week.